You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Grand rising and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, And of course, we have another great show for you on this terrific Tuesday. Get so excited when I get to do this with my guy, co-host with the most big O. What's up, big O? Trey Holiday, what's happening? Happy Tuesday to you. Hey, happy Tuesday, my friend. How are you today? Man, I'm good. You see, I'm all smiles these days. You know, as much as I love being in a Black Media Matters studio, like, man, the road has been good to me. I was in Houston last night. Today, I'm in San Antonio here for a few days. I'm going to Atlanta. My daughter, uh, Acacia's birthday is Thursday in Atlanta. Then I'm going to Tuskegee, Alabama this weekend. My niece, Isis, her graduation from Tuskegee University. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Hey, look, moving and grooving down there. Oh, well, we definitely miss you over here, but happy to see that smiling face of yours over there in some, oh. it looks like sunlight. You know, we yeah, ain't got that over here right now. <laughs> y'all ain't seen me smile this much in a long time. And let me let me show you real quick before we jump into it. The one big reason I was smiling, this is last night there in Houston, Yay. Texas. That's at Minute Maid Park. And man, me and Victoria, she's an Astros fan. We working on that. I said, I'm going to use some of my Soto mojo. <laughs> and convert her over to be a Mariners fan. But we had such a great time last night. Unfortunately, the Mariners couldn't pull off a victory against the Astros. But, uh, man, fun time in Houston. Hey, you know what? That's what it's all about. You know, the memories and, you know, having a great time. Looks like y'all were definitely all smiles at the ballpark. Glad you enjoyed it, though. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And before we get going here, I know it's a great show this this lined up here today. You know, we have been talking about it a few days. Man, I gotta I gotta tell you, we we were saying here in the in the pre-show that um Norman Garrett, it's like the the this guy's Norman Garrett fashion. <laughs> and before you can man, you can tell like the sort of swag is there. Norman Garrett, opera singer, um, part with the Seattle Opera. And uh, the opera is uh, The Marriage of Figaro. And then we, we've also got the legend, man, Vivian Phillips in the building. And it was crazy because, you know, they had sent over a title and uh, for the on-screen graphics that said MC. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, there's so many titles for Vivian Phillips. But, uh, yeah. but she's, yeah, right. She's going to be in here today uh, talking about um, STG Doors, which we're a partner with with STG. And that's their annual fundraiser. Yeah, looking forward to diving in with both of them today. And you know what? Really excited about the event, the doors. I, I'm telling you, I'm like, yes, mm. we're going to be in the building. Converge is going to be strong. Uh, hello. And, and, and tell them also why I know you're excited because, you know, we want to be good partners with STG. And we want to do all these things. It's going to be a great event. But why else are you excited? I got to be honest, you know, come on, Smokey Robinson's going to be in the building, you know, I'm, I'm like, come on, man, you know, the silky voice of Smokey Robinson, I'm excited, man, for real, all around. Good stuff, good stuff, we'll talk about that, and yeah, I mean, we, uh, have, oh, Marriage of Figaro? Marriage of Figaro. Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, they just reached out. I'm definitely going to be making some time on my schedule. I was just telling Norman, I said, man, I got to come and see because already, you know, he got a smooth talking voice. So, you yeah. know, the singing all on point. I, I, I've only been to one opera. And it was blue. It, right. it was a it was it was a dope opera experience. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm ready to go back. <clears throat> but we got a bunch of stuff this morning. Let me hop right into it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show. I want to remind you right now 
right now is the perfect time to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share this stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from up there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I want to give a big shout out, <clears throat> excuse me, to our partners at KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and also the South Seattle Emerald. Remind everybody that you can listen to the Morning Update Show anywhere that you listen to any of your favorite podcasts. That's SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google. All you have to do is search Converge Media Network. Man, um, continue to bring awareness around this. And they were saying it's going to be another very, I think COVID's just going to be around for a long time. Yeah. I don't know. But um I do know that we have some resources for community members, especially those who might be vaccine hesitant and um, have questions and concerns around the vaccine and COVID and COVID testing altogether. We want to leave a lot of space and grace, but also provide information here for us, wa.org. And it's a pretty good resource, Andre. Yeah, it really is. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, COVID is, it looks like it's here to stay. We're trying to find ways to like, I think, adjust all of us to just be like used to it. Because originally a lot of folks were like, oh, you know, to be here for a while. Here we are, you know, two years later, uh, you know, it's it's here to stay. And I yeah. think it is important for all of us to be informed here for us. Wild.org will help do that. When we started the morning update show, uh, the president at the time said it was going to be gone by Easter. We we thought that this was just going to be a pop up show for six weeks. We're like, man, we can do this for six weeks. You know what? I mean? <laughs> right, right, <Wow>. exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> hey, so somewhat breaking. It was really breaking, but because we knew it was coming, but we just didn't know who. But um, man, looks like we got a new sheriff in town. Literally. <clears throat> Executive Constantine appoints Patty Cole Tyndall as King County Sheriff. Says here, following a nationwide search and thorough interview and public engagement process, Executive Constantine announced today his appointment of Patty Cole Tyndall to serve as King County Sheriff. Cole Tyndall has a background in law enforcement, labor relations, human resources, as well as service to the community. She joined the King County Sheriff's Office in October 2015 serving as the Chief of Technical Services Division for almost five years before being appointed to Under Sheriff in 2020. She was appointed Interim Sheriff in November 2021 and began serving her new role in January. So we, we've got a new sheriff coming in and, and actually uh, Sheriff Cole Tindall will be joining us live tomorrow on the Morning Update show. Me for sure, I got a lot of questions. Oh, you know, I definitely do. I mean, but it's great to hear that, you know, she also has a background in community. I think that that's important for any sheriff to really bring about, you know, a holistic approach to how they're going to tackle this role. I mean, we really do need somebody who has that understanding. And I'm really excited. I mean, another black woman here, high position of power, you know, at King County Sheriff. This is really exciting news, though. Yeah. So but, you know, so here's the thing is, and this is what people need to keep in mind, is that, you know, it's a lot of people, even in people in chief best command staff that wasn't OK seeing that black woman be the, the, the chief of police of the city of Seattle. Yeah. And she spent 26 years in that department. And when she got to the office of chief, a lot of saboteurs within that department showed that we, we saw that. Look at the, look at the Proud Boy hoax. <clears throat> yeah. the, the emergency operations center was on was 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 full blast because there's supposed to be proud boys on the way 
Lisa, uh, Lisa Herbal calls the chief like, hey, chief, we hear there's some prom boys coming. Chief's like, oh, no, I don't know anything about it. But at the same time, our emergency operations center is over there working on a hoax about, you know, some fake proud boys that never work. That's just one example of, you know what I'm saying, how how Chief Best, who also authorized the tear gas, let's be clear, this the same woman, the same chief who authorized the tear gas and the, the extreme police violence like this city's never seen. So that I can put that issue right here. But internally, let's be clear. Chief Best was sitting there, man, that's a lot of saboteurs that she had around here. And the thing is, she was in that department for 26 years. Uh, um, the This Cole Tyndall, the new incoming sheriff, you know, She's been present. Tommy Lay, what's happening? You know what I'm saying? That happened there on the, you know, it's within the last five years, man. The, the, the sheriff's office has been a lot of issues over there. So, I mean, on a lot of different levels. One, I want to know how this incoming sheriff is literally, especially being this black woman, is going to deal with a sheriff's office in systemic issues that have preceded her and, you know, and, and highly tenured uh, deputies. Some of them been there 20, 25 years and everything else, because we see Chief Best couldn't overcome that in SPD. You're so right. And it's a great point to make. Oh, this is exactly why I think uh, there's so many lessons to learn from Chief Best being at, at in the position she was in. This is exactly what I think, you know, now Sheriff Cole Tindall is going to have to be taking into consideration as um, she takes this role. And I'm sure that, you know, because those things have played out real publicly, as you just described, I'm sure that there's got to be some understanding of how are you going to wrangle the force to really be underneath you and to take your leadership and to take your guidance. That's going to yeah. be key to this. Yeah. And with anything, man, it's the command staff. And we're we going to yeah. see, like, you know, who who the new sheriff is rolling with. Because, you know, if it's the same old people, man, you know, very well. I mean, I'm always optimistic, by the way. And I'm always hoping for That's why I want to put this question out there. I'm sure that she's thought about it, but I want to reinforce it. How are you going to deal with the people within the King County Sheriff's Office in the King County the, the, the office of King County who do not want to see you black women be the sheriff of Martin Luther King County. Number one, Absolutely. let's start even before you talk about hitting the streets and programs and community and all this kind of stuff. You know, but anyways, clearly I'm ready yeah. for tomorrow. <laughs> clearly. We we go we go have a good one. All right, so I man, jumping into the big national story here, man. We got a clip from um from CBS this morning. Of course, the big news is man, this leaked memo coming out of the Supreme Court about Roe versus Wade. The Supreme Court, where hundreds of protesters gathered last night after the stunning leak of what is reportedly a draft opinion suggesting the court will strike down Roe v. Wade this summer. Many experts have predicted the court will roll back abortion rights after conservatives gained a a six to three majority on the court. It's a strongly worded draft opinion signed by Justice Samuel Alito and obtained by Politico. The Supreme Court has not confirmed the authenticity of the document. And we must point out a lot can change before a final ruling is issued. For more on all of it, let's go to Jan Crawford. She's outside the Supreme Court. Jan, this would be an astonishing leak and a landmark decision. Good morning to you. Good morning, Tony, and you're exactly right. An unprecedented leap from the Supreme Court, something that didn't even happen when the presidency uh, was on the line in Bush versus Gore. And in the states, uh, the implications for uh, an overturning of Roe versus Wade are massive. Many of them, those states, already have been preparing for that. We will not go back. 
The news set off late night protests from both sides at the Supreme Court. America doesn't want to overturn Roe v. Wade, that there is support to maintain it. The reversal of Roe v. Wade is good and it will save lives. And that is good. And they should keep going forward with the majority opinion. The leaked Supreme Court draft opinion shows the conservative majority voted to strike down Roe v. Wade, the 1973 landmark decision guaranteeing abortion rights. The 98-page draft opinion from February was obtained by Politico from a person familiar with the court's proceedings in a Mississippi law banning abortion after 15 weeks. Writing for the majority, Justice Samuel Alito wrote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Four other conservative justices reportedly also had voted to overturn Roe in the Mississippi case. It's unclear whether Chief Justice John Roberts would have allowed the Mississippi law to stand without overturning Roe or whether he joined the liberals. Also unclear whether the early draft opinion will become the final decision, sending the issue of abortion back to the states. Right now, 13 states have laws banning all or nearly all abortions that would be triggered if Roe were overturned. The CEO of Planned Parenthood said abortion is currently still legal and we will continue to fight like hell to protect the right to access safe, legal abortion. But the leak of a draft opinion sent shockwaves throughout the legal community and beyond. This has never happened before. It's a tremendously big deal for the court and its significance for the court's legitimacy is impossible to overstate. Jeff Rosen is the president and CEO of the National Constitution Center. The court takes its secrecy incredibly seriously. The justices will investigate this leak vigorously and try to find out who the leaker was. Now, early drafts of decisions, they often change quite a bit, and justices in the past have actually switched their votes. It is unlikely that that's going to happen in this case. However, a decision is expected sooner rather than later, well before the end of the court's term at the end of June. Trey Holiday. Whoa. I mean, this is really huge. I mean, you're talking about unprecedented levels, uh, you know, in, in terms of this leak. But also this is something obviously already striking the people in a real big way. Oh, I mean, you're talking about a, a situation and an issue that has been polarizing for our nation ever since its inception, honestly. And the thing is, is that I I, I cannot even imagine the 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 out fall really outside of this if this is to take place i'm telling you right now i can only imagine the amount of people that will be in unsafe situations still not wanting to have a, a child at a certain time there's a wide variety of reasons why we all know this we've talked about this for a very long time in this country um but really i'm thinking about the safety of those uh, would-be mothers who are have to make that decision and have to be forced to now maybe do something that could be more harmful to them than anything. This is really, this is, this is a lot. Oh. Yeah. And so what would happen here, if this is correct, is that it isn't that <clears throat> abortion would be um, not legal in the U S it would just go back to, to the States. So in a lot of yeah. states, we've already seen there's 13 states that already have what's called trigger laws that are waiting that if this happens, then, you know, I mean, that abortion would basically be, be banned for the most part 
And then there's a lot of other states with other variations. And of course, people would probably be impacted the most by this. Um, women that would be impacted the most by this or um, in areas down south, the Midwest and men, poor, poor women, women of color. So, I mean, there's, there's yeah. a lot more to come from this in development, but this is also, this is something that where, where the Democrats have been kind of looking weak going into these uh, midterm elections. There's now galvanizing issue that very well might bring people not only to the streets, but also to the polls. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why we talk about votes being so important. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, there wasn't a, enough momentum to stop these trigger laws from even being there and just kind of sitting and waiting for this. And it, again, it makes me wonder, well, what kind of backdoor conversations and deals are happening? Because clearly these 13 states probably band together to ensure that this was now going to be something that the Supreme Court could even make an opinion on. This is going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. Right. I'll say this is that <clears throat> the the right has been working on this issue for decades. And this is a, something that the left has really taken for granted. These guys on a local level. So, I mean, that's the thing is, is like, yeah. you know, from, from state legislatures and everything else, man, like they've been working on this for decades. Um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing the result of what's happening right now. And yeah, we see the erosion of rights. Hey, um, one, two more things here before I cut you loose, because you got two great, great, great interviews lined up. Man, today is Give Big. And, um, you know, yeah. And so I, I thought that we would we would do this, is that we would talk about organizations that we support and really want to um, <clears throat> encourage our viewers to support and fortunately, because we really be in community, we really be whatever. So it converts. We don't have to make something on Canva or some little graphic that says, please do this and that. <laughs> we really actually covered these organizations here. And of course, you know, if you can't tell, I'm always in my baseball stuff and everything else. For me, it's baseball beyond borders. I actually got a video from right here from opening day. Some of you guys have saw this before. Opening day there at T-Mobile Park where Boogie Gates was honored as the Seattle Mariners' very first hometown all-star, him and baseball beyond borders. So we're at opening day, Jackie Robinson Day here, Seattle Mariners, T-Mobile Park. Uh, celebrating the life, the legacy of the, the one that came before us and Jackie Robinson who paved the way for African-Americans to participate in the game of baseball, um, at least open the door. This is a momentous occasion as we celebrate Jackie's arrival, right, to Major League Baseball 75 years ago. But it also came at an expense, right? It came at the expense of Negro Leagues beginning to dismantle because all the talent was siphoned, right, to play Major League Baseball. So while it was a great opportunity, it took away the ecosystem that was created for African-Americans down south when we had the Negro Leagues. And eventually, we're now trying to really find a way to increase that access to African-Americans in baseball. So today is a special day for the organization Baseball Beyond Borders as uh, myself is being honored uh, as a hometown all-star. It's an inaugural award 
that the Seattle Mariners Community Relations Department is putting forth. Uh, so I'm excited, uh, humbled by the opportunity, but recognize that it's an opportunity to open up the doors and continue to spread the word around the equitable access that's required for African Americans to participate in the sport of baseball. So the partnership with the Seattle Mariners has been vital, right? It's been an opportunity to really promote the game of baseball and softball to uh, communities of color, uh, particularly African-Americans. They've been able to leverage their platform, utilizing our community platform and working collectively as a unit to really uh, promote the game, right? Getting their baseball players, those of African-American descent, to be a part of it. And I think just continues to tell the story to preserve the cultural legacy of blacks in baseball. I want people to know that Baseball Beyond Borders is a community-based organization, right? Really trying to strive to create access and opportunity for student athletes to explore their potential. You know, we want to give them the tools and the skills needed to be able to use baseball as a framework for developing their life skills. Visit us on our website, baseballbeyond.org. You can visit us on social media platforms at BBB Inner City. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you at a ballpark soon. Yep, uh, Baseball Beyond Borders right there. So mind if you could go ahead and put that link in the comments, man. And, you know, really... Um, you know, we've been on the journey with these young men and young women as well, because they're softball as well. Um, and, you know, last year they went to the actual to the RBI World Series down in Florida, which was pretty amazing right there. So, you know, what I'm saying if you're in the giving mood, I'm throwing out baseball beyond borders. Who you got for us, Trey? Oh, you know, I love that story of Baseball Beyond Borders. And, you know, hey, we have another uh, local hometown hero, I believe, when it comes to disrupting gentrification. It's going to be Africatown Community Land Trust for me. Uh, we were just there at the groundbreaking of Africatown Plaza. So, of course, as you say, oh, we've been on the streets, been in the community. We get to give them a shout out as well on this Big Give Tuesday. We're here for land ownership. We want to build something that lasts longer than any one of ourselves. We want to build something that we can pass on to our children and our children's children so that they can share in the prosperity of this booming region, so they can share in the economy of Martin Luther King County. Because we all know that today is about more than the individuals and the families who are going to find an affordable home in this building. Today is about more than the artists who are going to be able to celebrate and enshrine black culture in this space. Today is about more than the small businesses who are going to open on this block and generate black wealth for generations. Today is about something bigger. Today is about a movement. Today is about a movement to create a new normal. Today is about community ownership. Today is about deepening our roots in the historic epicenter of Seattle's black community. Ring with the harmonies of liberty.
I think this moment just signifies what's possible. When we have a thought, we come together around that thought, and then we take that and, and rally and push it forward to make it real. I think that's what it represents, possibility, that a different future is possible. A lot of times it, it looks very bleak, but hopefully this is just, you know, a, a small light, a small candle, and if we keep lighting candles and then put our candles together, you know, we could create a different situation. If you do things without those who have sacrificed for you, then they will remind you of where you come from and whose you are. So if you find yourself challenged, you may want to think about those who fed you before you could feed yourself. We're breaking ground on Africa Town Plaza. It's 140 years since, you know, 1882 when William Gross bought the 12 acres from uh, Henry Yesler and made this a black community. So we're continuing all that legacy of making space for the black community to be able to grow and thrive. It's been a long journey. This is just another step in the marathon, but we definitely want to pick up the pace. With community, we know that the abundance will be given to all. And that's what I think of with what is today. It's going to be something like nothing you've ever seen in this, you know, in this in this area, right? You know, it's not going to look like all of the uh, the, the Lego blocks that's, that's been coming. It's 126 units, seven stories uh, over commercial and community space. Um, the art, we have black artists from right here, genius from across the country and across the world that are contributing to telling the story of our unique journey and making this a place where people can come back and connect. Money ain't right, money ain't tight. The cost of living is the need for money in this life. Humanity and darkness and darkness and humanity. Scared to doubt the word and doubt the work to believe. As Frederick Douglass, our ancestor said, we might not get everything we fight for, but we're going to fight for everything we get. And we're definitely not waving a white flag because if our ancestors waved the white flag, we wouldn't be able to be here today. So in honoring our great black history, our charge is to make our history count. And we're looking at this as another contribution, you know, in our journey towards realizing our greatness. Amazing, amazing. Africa Town Community Land Trust doing great work. Salman is also putting the link in the comments there. So you guys feel free to give big today. Yeah, man. Come on. Give it up. Give it up. Hey, looks like we've gone overtime in this segment right here. And I cut you short yesterday, Trey. You you were talking. It was boop. Here, here goes our outro. So I'll say this. I'm gonna get out of here, man. And you know, wish wishing you, and I know they're gonna be fantastic, great interviews there with uh with Norman Garrett. And with Vivian Phillips. Absolutely. And man, I'll catch up with you tomorrow from the great state of Texas. Absolutely. Have great safe travels. Uh, we'll be with you tomorrow. And with that, you guys, coming up after this short break, we have Norman Garrett in the building. We're going to be talking about his opera singing career and the marriage of Figaro right after this. Stay tuned. You're watching the Morning Update Show.
As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Beza and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Beta. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. The breathtaking new musical, Afterwards, is the story of the art we make from the love that shapes us. When three women discover unexpected truths, a dazzling mosaic of intersecting lives reveals itself. Featuring a revelatory and soulful new score. Don't miss the world premiere of this captivating new musical, Afterwards, at the Fifth Avenue Theater, April 29th to May 21st. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. The thing about Blue Cone is I never, like, I never wanted it to be a space where artists just come in and have their own little box and don't relate with each other. Sure. You know, like, I've always been very collaborative, community interested, like, hey, let's do a bigger project. Let's do something that we can all be a part of. I think I just, I've always just wanted to make art with other people. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, everybody, to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, And joining me right now on set is Norman Garrett. What's up, Norman? Hello, hello. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. I mean, you know what? It, this is something very special and unique for us right here at Converge because we really get to now showcase to our audience and to Black community that we're involved in all forms of the arts. Tell us a bit about your start in opera. Um, <laughs> let's just say there's music in my family, but my dad he was a pastor uh he uh told me not to sing because i didn't have a gospel voice uh <laughs> i wanted to be an engineer since i was five years old um and i got to college i went to texas tech university and i also got accepted into ut now texas tech i was accepted on a choir scholarship and i was only in choir because my boys and I decided that's the place where it's going to be a lot of girls. Only reason why. <laughs> um, but uh, I was accepted in UT's engineering program for the next year. And I was just going to go to Texas Tech to get my basics out of the way before I transferred for engineering at UT. And at the end, like the last month of my freshman year at Texas Tech, we did a Brahms Requiem, which is this gigantic piece. Everyone in the entire music school who played an instrument was in the orchestra. There were 500 people in this big choir singing. And I remember in the second movement of it, hearing the music, feeling vibrations in my chest, because it was just so many, you could feel it. 
it was uh, uh, um, such an overwhelming power in that music to where I was like, maybe I'll try this. Like, I, it was that sudden. It was that sudden. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Went to grad school, Cincinnati, went to Academy of Vocal Arts in Philly, young artist at Washington National Opera. And there I'm here. Wow. Yeah. Norma, I mean, this is really, there's, I think, always so many unique characteristics to everyone's story, yeah. right? Like what gets you sparked, what allows you to continue. But, it, you know, to hear that there are programs really for you to hone in on that talent that you have and to hone in and then learn the difference between, you know, being in a choir and performing right. in the opera. Tell us a bit about that transition for you. You know, it was... <laughs> I will say, you know, since it was such an impulsive decision, the transition to me was I was pretty oblivious when it was happening because, you know, it was choir. That was it. Operas were like a side thing to do at Texas Tech, you know, but I was there for choir. And it wasn't until I graduated and I was like, it was like a year before I was done. And I was like, so guys, what do we do next? Because, mm -hmm. you know, this is something I had never planned for. And they were like, oh, you go to grad school. And I was like, which ones? And they just did these grad schools and I auditioned those grad schools and I got into these grad schools. So then I get to the grad school, which was University of Cincinnati, the conservatory of music there. And um, I'm there and I'm, you know, I'm singing. My voice teacher comes, reworks my voice and like changes it. So essentially, you know, I had about two years there where I wasn't really doing anything because I was just trying to get this together. And then it was finally my senior, my not senior year, my third year, of my master's, I was Van Wilder. Everything <laughs> took longer. Um, I was like, oh, my gosh, I I'm almost done with this degree and I don't I haven't been taking this serious at all. And it's time to jump. It's time to have time to make the leap. And basically that's happened twice in my career where you go from that transition from school to then semi-professional and then to professional. And every one of those times I had to like gather myself and get serious because I feel like I never realized the potential that I had or the talent that I had until way later. Um, you know, it was just something I was just kind of floating by and doing. So while that transitioning was happening from choir to opera to professional opera singer, you know, I was kind of like in the back seat. I feel like in a weird way, I was kind of just kind of like going with this flow, whatever, where it was taking me. Um, and that also helped me be, I was always the most relaxed opera singer because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't all caught up in the hype and stuff. So I just kind of like drifted into this career and, um, have finally started to, you know, get some success and do some things that I really projects that I really want to do. Um, but the process for others can be super stressful and, you know, um, I can't say I didn't have any like dark times some difficult times. There are times where I was like a three year, you know, period where I was eating peanut butter and bread, living in Philadelphia in an apartment I couldn't afford, you know, like, you know, you know, a lot of people have that story, but mine in particular, it's never a straight line. I was coasting, but it was, it was like this, you know, um, but I, uh, the, uh, Christine Schuppelmann, who is the director of um, Seattle Opera, actually um, 
hired me as a young artist when she was at Washington National Opera. That was my first professional like young artist program. So it's kind of cool to be back in Seattle and she's here now after being all over the world and now she's here. So it's always good to see her face. Um, well, you know, I, I feel like I, I always say this when I'm able to speak to artists in particular, that every form of art basically creates its own family. Right. And yes. so, you know, you're 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 working with other opera singers in shows. You you are, you know, traveling. You had now have this litany right from right. school to opera, like you just said, um, and on, on the transition in between, you're building like family, you're building yes. relationships with other people. So how is it? to be here in this amazing show, Marriage of Figaro, and working alongside some amazing, uh, you know, opera singers uh, right here in Seattle. It feels, it honestly feels, I mean, first of all, I really like the city. Um, I love the weather. People <laughs> talk about it being gray all the time. I'm loving it. It's no sun, cool, <laughs> rainy. I'll take it all day. Um, but it feels really good. And, you know, I feel very welcome here. I felt really welcomed by the company. And this project, um, Marriage of Figaro, is actually my first time doing this opera. And it's something that I've always, always wanted to do. And interesting enough, um, you know, uh, this role, you know, is not being a black man singing this role to me means something. Um, I'll just put it that way. Um, it's interesting the way the opera world works and how it's changing now. But, you know, um, I feel a lot more appreciated. I feel like my talent is a lot more appreciated. Um, and I feel like I'm being seen. I feel like I'm being heard. Um, and it's something that's a new feeling, actually, that I've <laughs> right. Well, no, I was going to say, it's, you literally new. are answering my next question because that is it. I mean, we're talking about opera. Right. right. And and black community is probably like, well, opera is not for me. That's like a completely white space. We here at Converge, and, and I was saying this to you before, it's so great to have you here because you really get to help us break the mold of what people think opera is. And so right. I was going to be asking you about that because, you know, as you've probably experienced in your career, and as you say with this iconic show, this is one of those top-notch operas. Is. I keep hearing about Marriage of Figaro being, I mean, the costumes, the, the, the music, everything. It is top notch. So I know this is really important to you, but you're not just, you know, in the cast, you're playing a lead role here. Uh, mm -hmm. Count Amaviva. Yes. Tell us about this role and for you to be able to get this opportunity. I think as maybe some young black men that may be in the audience, young black boys to see themselves in you. Tell us about what that means to you. Oh, man. Um, you know, uh, I will say when I was working in Washington, D.C., that was the most diverse opera crowd that I've ever seen. Wow. That scene in Washington, D.C., the black culture is so integrated into everything, including the opera. So, you know, coming here, I'm not sure. I've, I don't know what this audience is like, um, but I do think it's very important to have representation of yourself when you're looking on any stage when you're looking on TV, when you're listening to a podcast, like I feel like it is crucially important. And in that, I feel like I'm an ambassador. I feel like I am, you know, it, it's hard to, it's, I mean, it could be sad to feel this way, but I feel like it is my responsibility in a way to represent my culture and to set an example 
for others, I feel a lot, I feel some weight with that. Um, and I think it's important. I think the role I'm playing is also really important in young people developing. And I, it's like you said, like, you know, you look on the stage at this Mozart opera, um, and you see a man of color up there singing, doing his thing, Ali Rowe, Count Almaviva, of course. Um, and it feels like I have um, a deeper role to play than just that role on the stage. Yeah. Um, and I'm aware of that. And um, it feels... It feels empowering in a way, you know? Uh, it really is. I'll yeah. tell you, just for me, you know, I'm definitely making time in my calendar to come and see you. Uh, this is something that I would love to bring my sons to, right? I just, to expose them to something that is different, yet also is now really working I think intentionally on inclusivity, which is so important to the arts in general. It makes it them better, right? And, yes. and so we talk about that in terms of, you know, art really reflecting the country we live in, where we have people from all over the world coming here to America to either better their lives or their situation, whatever it is, but they see America as a beacon. And how do we really reflect that um, in our arts community if we're not including diversity? So I, I really am so excited to see you. I mean, as you think about this amazing show, what do you want people to get from this show? You know, just give us a quick synopsis so people understand what they're coming to see. I would say this show is an example of it is an example. I would say the show is an example of um, the hierarchy being disrupted by um, it's it, interesting enough. My character is he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. <clears throat> he's not, but he's upper class and everyone else is lower class. So he always has this feeling that he's better than everyone and that he can do whatever he wants. And the, the people, uh, Figaro, his wife, they have other things in mind because they're smarter than me. They're more influential than I am. And, you know, they end up coming out on top at the end. Yeah. They disrupt the hierarchy. And, um, you know, I feel like that's something that's, happening all over the country right now yeah it, I mean, it's really including reflective. africa town yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> wow i'm like my mind is blown it is amazing to me um well i'm so glad that we could show you that clip and this yeah. is how we're getting down in seattle yeah, there's man. a lot Ooh. of amazing black leaders organizations and institutions that are ex doing exactly that they're disrupting the hierarchy yes. we are showcasing what it means to have collective voice and I i'm telling you norman i'm just so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to join us today um, as our audience out there is probably trying to figure it out. I know Salman is putting the link in the comments, but tell them how they can come and see you and support this amazing show happening at the Seattle Opera. Just go to seattleopera.com or org, seattleopera.org. Click on buy your tickets and come see us. Yeah. Yeah. Norman, thank you so much. I can't wait to come and see you and yeah. to see the rest of the cast. Again, iconic show, top-notch opera, top-notch costumes. I can't wait to see you my in your garb. My costume is incredible, y'all. <laughs> and I don't get me started on my wig, y'all. My wig 
it's silky. You know what I'm saying? It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> well, you came through nice and sharp today, getting us prepared to see you as Count Amaviva. Thank, Thank you. you again, Norman, so much. I wish I had even more time because I know we could dive into so many things, but we just appreciate you for joining us right here at the Black Media Matters Studios for Converge Media. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, y'all. Absolutely. Oh, amazing. I'm telling you. And, and, and if I wasn't going to another amazing guest, I would keep on talking to Norman. But up next, we have Miss Vivian Phillips in the building icon in Seattle doing amazing things. We're going to be talking about all things doors after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching the Morning Update Show. When COVID first hit, I was very afraid. It was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. Most of my information for COVID is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine. But we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. The thing about Blue Cone is I never, like I never wanted it to be a space where artists just come in and have their own little box and don't relate with each other. Sure. You know, like I've always been very collaborative, community interested, like, hey, let's do a bigger project. Let's do something that we can all be a part of. I think I just, I've always just wanted to make art with other people. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, everybody, to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, and joining me right now, y'all don't even know, I'm over here fangirling out Vivian Phillips in the building. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Oh, hey, hey, how are you? <laughs> Talking no. about fangirling. Listen, I was at Seattle Opera yesterday, <laughs> and this um, poster is all over the outside with this incredibly handsome black man on it. <laughs> Um, and I guess his name is Norman Garrett. <laughs> you came on Mary the wrong Mary Figaro. What about Mary to Auntie Viv? Girl, oh, okay. I was over there like, mm, okay. okay. Look, look, you came on uh, the right day. I came on the right day. <laughs> they, you never know what you're going to encounter here in the Black Media Matter studio. Girl. But you know what? You, 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 you are doing so many phenomenal things. I love how Omari prefaced it earlier. You know, we're talking about, okay, the MC of Doors. No way. So many different amazing titles behind you and your legacy. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I love me some Trayana Holiday and some Om Omari Salisbury. Come on, come, come on. on. We love you. <laughs> and you know what? This is really exciting because STG has been such a phenomenal partner yeah. of ours. Tell us about your connection to STG. Well, you know, my connection to Seattle Theater Group goes back to 1992, 93. I worked on the restoration of the Paramount Theater. And uh, back then, I think there were seven of us on the staff. And I have been involved with that organization in some capacity on the board. I spent six years as their director of marketing and communications. And this is my third time emceeing Doors. Wow. Yeah, well, I'm excited. Is... You know I invited myself, right? <laughs> I know, that's I was right. like, Smokey Robinson is coming. Y'all need me there, right? <laughs> well, look, and they probably had no objection at all because 
you are phenomenal. And so, you know, this is something that is annual for SDG. Obviously, they have a lot of continual supporters, right? Folks that are just always giving. But tell us a bit about what this means to you to now be emceeing this for the third year and to kind of see how they they really have now really embed themselves in community. That was something that we got to learn while we were there at the Paramount Theater doing the morning update show from there. They were talking about, no, we're intentional to include our community and let them know this is their home. Tell us a little bit about how you experienced that. So, you know, I worked with the founder of the organization back in the 90s. And when she purchased the Paramount Theater, her intention was to make that a place that we call the People's Theater. Um, It is a grand movie palace built in 1928. And back then, people could spend essentially 50 cents or a quarter and come to a vaudeville show, get dressed up, feel like royalty. So she wanted that to be maintained in the organization. All of these community engagement programs started with her founding in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So the way that they have evolved has become really wonderful Broadway inclusion programs. You know, I went to see Hamilton like five times um, while it was at the Paramount. But the the one thing that I remember most is the sensory um, uh, performance where all the kids were in the theater. The lights were not completely out. They were dimmed. It was a warm and welcoming environment for the kids to enjoy the production. Same thing for Lion King. Um, one of the uh, community engagement programs that I'm I'm most uh, inclined toward is Alvin Ailey or Ailey Camp, right? Um, Ailey Camp was founded a number of years ago while I was still at the organization. And it was founded in honor of Ailey's general manager, Pryor, who is Calvin Hunt, who came from Tacoma. Calvin died right before Ailey Camp got started. And so it is in homage to his contribution and his relationship to this community that that program was instituted. So what I know about the Seattle Theater Group, what I know about the intention of the founding of this community organization, which happens to be the largest performing arts institution Uh, institution in the Puget Sound region, um, I know that it's an organization that deserves to be supported. And I know that they are intentional always about the ways in which they show up in community. Um, Having Converge Media be a partner now is really a wonderful expression as well of their commitment to community. I know that you've been in the theater. When you go into the lobby bar, you see Redefinition, which is a community art gallery that was intentionally formed so that we could redefine what cultural space looks like and to whom it belongs. So those are the the ways and the reasons that I think this organization should be supported. The last time that I MC, we raised $1.3 million, I think, in that evening. So I know this is the first time back in person in two years. I'm hopeful. I'm so hopeful 
that we can hit that million dollar mark again. And if I can do something to help that happen, I'm there. The Smokey Robinson <laughs> is there too. Come so that's now. another good reason to be there, right? Yeah, a legend in the building. <laughs> this is really going to be so special yeah. for me. And the fact that, you know, this is the first year that we've been able to partner with STG yeah. in this way. It's just going to be so special for all of us here at Converge already uh, for me in, in particular. I always say this. I was a thespian, a theater kid, That's right? right. So, yeah. so, so being able to interview people coming, you know, to the theater, all mm -hmm. of these amazing actors, mm -hmm. amazing performers. This is really exciting for me, not just because Smokey Robinson is going to yeah. be there or because yeah. you're emceeing, but I agree with you in terms of why this organization needs to be supported. And I'm experiencing their intentionality of yeah. connection to community. So I love how you just highlighted so many yeah. other programs because I think oftentimes people don't realize how many different things are going on. But SCG is also connected to Northwest Tap Connection. I uh, mean, yes. they, thank they, you for they, bringing that yeah, up. They do a lot of great work beyond just putting on these amazing shows. Northwest Tap Connection will be featured at Doors. Um, there will also be performances from youth who are involved with More Music at the More, which is a music training program that allows young high schoolers the opportunity to work with songwriters and mentors and performers. Some of the mentors have been, I mean, Ernestine Anderson was one of the mentors for More Music for a very long time, but their music conductors have spanned the, I mean, the spectrum. Robert Glasper, Michelle Indegio, Cello, Sheila E. I mean, all of these people have come to this organization to work with these young people. I'm also really excited by a performance from Abraham in Motion, mm -hmm. Kyle Abraham's dance company. And Kyle Abraham's company uh, performed at the Moore Theater in February. And I am just, I, I love this man so much. I love his company. I love the work that they do. And it's going to be a fabulous evening. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to be back on stage at the Paramount Theater. I mean, I've been on that stage hundreds of times, you know, over the course of the last 30 years, but I get real excited about this particular event and seeing the community come out and support this organization. Well, I got to say, they got the right woman for the job. I mean, you're talking about, you know, not only your personal experience, but how you've been able to really see yeah. their intentionality. I think it's so, so key. So please make sure our audience knows how they can come to doors that is happening soon. Please, right there, let Go them know. Go to stgpresents.org and buy a ticket or buy some tickets. <laughs> if you can't come, buy tickets and sponsor other people that can come. I think that's one of the elements that I uh, really encourage people. If you cannot, on your own, come to the event, why not purchase a ticket and make that available for someone else in the community? Who can come so i will see you on saturday night in the house in my house yes i call yes. it my house i know the that's Paramount right theater i know it's, that's it's right. all of ours it really is yeah. and uh the queens of converge will actually be there for afterwards um okay. and so then we'll be there again in the evening i'm really looking forward to an amazing day at the paramount thank you so much miss vivian phillips my for pleasure. joining me today my pleasure thank you so much oh my gosh hey you guys we don't disappoint over here. <laughs> um, 
Black Converge Media and the Black Media Matter Studios. We told you we were going to have an amazing show. And I really hope that you guys were inspired and encouraged and felt the vibes and the energy that's happening over here. Of course, tomorrow we got some of our recurring guests coming through. We got Mr. Mike Davis of the South Seattle Emerald. He'll be joining us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about all things clapback culture and anything going on with South Seattle Emerald. And also we have Brian Callanan of Seattle News, Views, and Brews right here on Converge Media and also the Seattle channel. You know, Brian is always going to be bringing us some heavy topics. We got to dive into it, Brian, see what they're talking about on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. And tonight at 8.30, you guys can check out my brother, Proof in the Play with Truth with Proof. He is going to be having some guests on tonight at 8.30. And apparently, I keep missing all the good fun. I mean, Salman is like, it'd it be popping over here at 8.30. You know, by that point, I'm almost in the bed. But I got to say that I'm so proud of you, Proof, because you really had this concept for such a long time. And now we're all seeing you flourish in your purpose, brother. It's just amazing for me to be able to witness. So please join us tonight at 8.30. And of course, for me, see yourself as a part of the solution. You guys can do it in so many different ways. I always want you to be inspired by our guests. Clearly, Norman has done it in the way of just breaking the opera. This black man with this amazing lead role, probably one of the first times a black man has played this role. I don't have the, the, the quote on that, but I'm just going to put it out there because it is a uh, traditionally a white space when we're talking about opera. And, and so he's doing it in a way that is not only fulfilling to him but now it's just so fulfilling to others to ensure that they understand that the opera is also inclusive and also Miss Vivian Phillips I mean we're talking about 30 years in arts and culture and such a thriving force here for us in the Pacific Northwest and beyond who is going to be emceeing doors and, and really supporting Seattle Theater Group which is an organization that could totally benefit from another one of your opportunities to give big on this Tuesday um, Saturday, Smokey Robinson will be in the building. If you guys are trying to get tickets, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a hot show. She just explained it to us. Not only is it a fundraiser, but we're going to be entertained for sure. So please, for me, see yourself as a part of the solution. Get out there and make sure that you guys are contributing to new solutions in your community, your neighborhood, your city, your state. However big you want to go, you can do it. And as Omari would say, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. Until tomorrow at 11 a.m. Peace. What do I see through a lens of fear? thousand little steps to go what do i fear after all these years lord knows i don't even know i've been running on the edge of a sundial sleeping in the shadow i've been begging you to see me then hiding beyond the unreachable looking now left on a right hand
is a shadow. I know no one is a shadow. I know no one is a shadow. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.